0: I see is a battle, you see my victory. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain mood, and as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you.
1: So when I fight, I'll not on my knees, with my hands lifted up
0: Oh God,
1: the battle belongs to you, and every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through
0: Who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you.
1: All I see are the ashes. You see the beauty. Oh
2: It's an honor to welcome you here to East Tailsville Baptist Church, and uh, as we come together to worship, if you're here today visiting maybe for the first time, uh, we would want you to know, first of all, we're honored to have you here with us, and we would encourage you before you leave, if you would just take a minute to fill out the care card that's in your bulletin, you can tear that out, place it in the offering plate in the back, and then as you leave today, as you go out to the lobby, we have a guest table there. We would encourage you to pick up a guest bag. We have information about our ministries and uh, all the things that are going on out there, please take one of those. Um, we'd love to have a record of your visit. Um, and just one quick announcement uh, Lisa Powell in our extended session ministry asked me to announce that next week uh, we will not have the three and four year old class during extended session. And that's also a reminder we are still in need of many volunteers in that ministry during our worship service. So if you'd be interested in serving in the preschool ministry there, our nursery ministry during worship, please see Lisa Powell or contact the church office this week. We would love to get you plugged in. That's a very important ministry here at the church. And I'm going to ask you, if you would, go ahead and stand. And as you stand, I just want to read a, a simple quote by D.L. Moody. As we've gathered here to worship, you know sometimes we can just walk in here and just sing a song and not even think about what we're singing. But he said this, says, If a man just stops to think what he has to praise God for, he would find there is enough to keep singing praises for a week. And I just want you just to bow your heads as we begin our time of worship. And I just want you to thank how God has blessed you right now. What do you have to praise him for? Do you know him? Has he saved you? There's a reason to praise him. Has he delivered you from darkness? Has he met your needs this week? Father, we just thank you. And Lord, as we begin to sing, Lord, help us to let it be the overflow of our heart to think about what you've done in our lives just to say thank you through our words, through this music, and may it bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together and worship the Lord.
3: I'm glad he gave his life for us, that we might know him. This morning, we want to go to the Lord in prayer. I want to remember Finding Hope Ministry and what they've gone through. and They lost house number one with the fire. We're going to talk more about that next week in our service. But I want you to pray for them as they're rebuilding and working and finding location for children there. I want to remember uh, Lou Dill and her family. Her mom passed away this week. I want you to pray for for them. The service will be here tomorrow at 6. Also, uh, Robin Fairchild, she lost her dad. We want to pray for her this morning. You know, I know what it's like to lose a parent. They're ever so fresh. And and it's a hurting time. It's also a good time because we know where they're at. We know the Lord. So I want to pray this morning. Would you join me in prayer as we pray for these families? Father, this morning, Father, we want to pray for Finding Hope. We want to pray for Nathan and Anka. Lord, the children have been displaced. And, Father, we pray for them as they reach out in Jesus' name to reach those who are perishing without Christ. Lord, we thank you for the cross. But Father, without the cross this morning, we'd have no hope. We'd be perishing. But Father, we want to thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for us and giving us eternal life. And Father, this morning, I pray for Lou Dill and her, for her, her family. Lord, I pray you'd be with them, bring them comfort and peace and Robin Fairchild and her family. I pray, God, that you'd give them comfort and peace every day not only today but for the days to come and father I know that you're the God of all comfort and father we just trust you and that you would help them we want to thank you that lord that we're able to pray one for another and father you've called us to do that and father help us to pray for those that are hurting and father we pray that you'd be their peace and strength father this morning we thank you for your love this morning that's everlasting lord thank you for your presence this morning we're not alone We don't face life alone because we know you. You live within us. And Father, this morning I pray you'd bless this time of worship. Lord, bless the time of singing and preaching. Lord, that you might be honored and that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
4: Death has no sting, and life has no end.
5: Amen. Thank you. Praise team. If you have your Bibles, I'm I'm going to ask you to turn to First Samuel chapter 19. And as you're turning there, also if you have your bulletin, if you'll turn over on the back to the the uh, facts and figures, I believe is what it says. If you look at the loan balance, last week the loan balance for this building was like 800 and some thousand dollars, and this week is 587 thousand dollars. So what we've done here at East Hills Baptist Church is last week we applied about 250 thousand dollars our loan balance that's how blessed we've been here so we want to thank you let's give the Lord a hand clap, clap of praise for that <clears throat> we want to, we want to thank you for your faithful giving and um, we're just trying to be good stewards of God's money so based on the schedule and how much we pay each each month we we've been blessed to be able to pay about seven thousand sometimes ten thousand sometimes fifteen thousand dollars of principal each month we're one of the few churches probably around here that can do that, and we're so thankful for that. We're looking to pay this building off in probably about, I think it's about three years, if, if we keep giving the way we're giving, so we're thankful. Really, once again, I said thankful for that, we are thankful for that. Now, some of you have mason jars in your backyard, you're going to keep there for a rainy day. If you want to dig those up, and you want to go ahead and pay this off, we'd really appreciate it. Now, I will say this, I've been given to this building fund, and y'all know I don't preach on money here, but I've been given to this, it is an act of obedience, though, and got, Jesus spoke about it. But, I've been giving to this building fund, I think since 2007, before we even had a project going, all right? And after this building's paid for, I'm going to give to the building fund until Jesus comes or I die or y'all fire me or I retire, okay? Because there's always going to be something to do, all right? God has blessed buildings. That's what he has, and people meet and assemble in buildings. And as we'll see in this story this, uh, this morning, how a worship service saved David's life. They were assembled together. The only thing of eternal value that's going on in Alexander County this morning is what you're doing. And all the 100 plus churches are doing in Alexander County. This is very important, okay? And Jesus told us to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And one of the ways that you do that is through giving. That's the ultimate test of do I really trust God? Has God really blessed my life? You know, I try to be a good tipper, all right? I just try to be, if I can be. And, and try to be good to people and try to help people and what you're doing even when you're doing that uh, you're just laying up treasures for yourself and this church is a given church uh, once again if you're a visitor I, I rarely ever talk about money I just don't I just preach books of the Bible and whatever whatever the Bible says is what I say but we want to thank you for that uh, and once again if you will look at that loan balance we're just blessed and and thankful to be able to do that so if you have your Bibles turn with me to 1st Samuel chapter 19 Now, this is a lot of verses, and I'm just going to read them all, so if you'll stand with me. The title of the message this morning is Time to Kill David. So, from chapter 19 on, Saul uh, is trying to kill David. Now, think about this. In this passage alone, four times, David's life is spared. And I'm going to read Psalm 59, because David wrote Psalm 59 about while 1 Samuel 19 was going on. And what we're going to see here is that these thoughts, you're immortal till so God's done with you. Nothing the world can do, right? We're also going to see that when you give counsel to somebody or you take counsel, uh, God's word is very important. And then we're going to see once again in Saul's life, God's wrath on display. How God judges those who live in disobedience to him, especially if you're in leadership. That's why James said, don't many of you desire to become teachers because you're, re- you're going to receive a stricter judgment. Okay? It just is what it is. and, I, and I, You remember, I've told you this. You want to be king? Well, David's showing us what it's like to, be, to be, eventually be king. Notice verse 1. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. They had a staff meeting. And in the staff meeting, they said, guys, we've got to kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, now here's, here's Jonathan's counsel to David. My father seeks to kill you. He, he didn't mince words. He was just honest. Sometimes you have to be that honest with people. My dad is going to kill you. And then he goes on to say this. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I'll tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well, David saw his father and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant. Now here's his, his counsel to his dad. Now his dad could have killed him. It's just the way it was back then. Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been been very good toward you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then, now he he shares Deuteronomy with them. Why then will you sin against innocent blood, to kill David without a cause? So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore... This is where Saul is spiritually speaking. Up here, down here. Up here, down here. Up here, down here. So Saul swore, as the Lord lives, I sh- he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. And there was war again, over and over again in the Old Testament. There was war again. And David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow, and they fled from him. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with a spear in his hand, and David was playing music with his hand. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence, and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. So Saul's oath that he swore in the name of God, he broke it in two verses. This is where where Saul is. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch and kill him. And to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed and put a cover of goat's hair for its head and covered it with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, he said, He is sick. She said, He is sick. Then Saul sent messengers back to David, saying, Bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. And when the messengers had come in, there was an image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. Then Saul said to Michael, Why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he escaped? And Michael answered and said this to Saul, He said to me, Let me go. Why should I kill you? Which was a lie. So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done. Now think, listen to these last verses. And when he and Samuel went and stayed at Naoth, now it was told Saul, saying, Take note, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David and when, he saw, when they saw the group of prophets prophesying, Samuel standing as a leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. And when Saul was told, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. Then Saul sent messengers again, and a third time, and they prophesied also. Then he also went to Ramah, and came to the great well that is in Seku, and he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, Indeed, they are at Naoth in Ramah. So he went there to Naoth and Ramah. Then the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. He also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and laid down naked all the day and night, all all that day and all that night. Therefore, they said, Is Saul also among the prophets? Time to kill David. What an amazing chapter and what we'll learn through this. Fathers, we come to you in prayer, Lord. We want to thank you for the life of David. Father, it seems like every chapter in 1 Samuel that we can glean from, even though this is a long chapter, Father, I pray that you will will help us to understand the importance of repentance for all of us. And Father, also, I hope we can know as David shows us here that you are our refuge. You are. You're our only hope each day. If we're alive, this time tomorrow is because of you. So Father, I pray that we would honor you in that way and give you the glory that you deserve. And Father David wrote a psalm about this. That's how happy he was about making it through 1 Samuel chapter 19. So Lord, David's God is my God. And Father, what you do for David, if you want to, you can do for me. So Father, we'll trust you today and we'll obey you today because that's the the funnel of blessings comes through those two things. And we'll thank you for what you do for us, Father. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. What we see here is what you see in Psalm 2, where you see, as Richard Phillips says, Psalm 2 presents God's response to mankind trying to thwart God's will. And what you have in verses 1 through 3 in Psalm 2 is all the nations are raging against God, they're making these plans. And then verses 4 through 6 says, God sits on the throne. And he just laughs. Who are you to thwart my will? And that's what you're seeing in, in, in chapter 19. As you see a man trying to thwart God's will, Richard Phillips goes on to say this, If ever there was a biblical example of God's mocking rebuke of man's pretension in sin and unbelief, it is that of Israel's king Saul. Mad though he may have been, Saul possessed all the power the world could offer. He did. He was was crazed by a jealous desire to kill David his own faithful servant, and the anointed one of the Lord, Saul's hatred was ultimately directed against the gospel of God's grace that he might snuff out God's kingdom so as to preserve his own. That was what Saul was doing. God, I'll take my kingdom over your kingdom, and I'll kill your king to be. And what he was basically saying is, is the Messiah is not going to come through David's line. If it's going to come, it's going to come through mine. You always lose when you try to thwart God's will. God intervenes so much in David's life that he wrote Psalm 59. I'm just going to read some of it, not all of it. David says this, this is about this chapter, Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Be my fortress against those who are attacking me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from those who are after my blood. See how they lie in wait for me? Fierce men conspire against me for no, of of my, for no offense of sin of mine, Lord, just as Jonathan said. I've done no wrong, yet they're ready to attack me. Arise to help me. Look upon my plight. You, Lord God Almighty, you who are the God of Israel. Then he goes on down here to say this. They return at evening, snarling like dogs, and prowl about the city. They wander about for food and howl if not satisfied. But I will sing of your strength. In the morning I will sing of your love. For you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I will sing praise to you. God, you are my fortress, my God on whom I can rely. At the end of chapter 19, David says, God is my fortress. Can you rely on God? Four times in this chapter, God spared David's life. The first time, it was a friend in the field, verses 1 through 7. The second time, a spear in the wall and not the heart, verses 8 through 10. The third time, a wife in a window, verses 11 through 17. And then the fourth time is an odd worship service in verses 18 through 24. So what do we see here first? The first thing we see here is God's word on display. Notice verse 1. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, to all his servants that they should kill David. So they have this staff meeting. And basically what Saul says is we have to kill David. this chapter just shows what a depraved, unrepentant heart is capable of. It shows the great lengths that a person that is so spiritually depraved Will go to protect his own kingdom. Imagine how much trouble Saul would have spared if he would have repented. Chapter before, or in this chapter. Imagine how God would have blessed his kingdom. God would have let him be king, blessed his kingdom. David was going to be king eventually anyway. Imagine how much uh, uh, trouble he would have spared himself in his king kingdom if he would have just repented. Richard Phillips says he knew that Jonathan had sworn a covenant of loyalty and friendship to David and that his heart was knit to the younger hero. Moreover, Saul must have realized how greatly all Israel admired David's virtues and accomplishments. How could he expect his staff to enter into a league to murder David? Think about this. Saul was so gripped by an unrepentant heart, he thought everybody else was as well. That's what people that are living in disobedience to God do. They say, Everybody's just like me. Seemed like a great idea to Saul. Let's kill the most popular and blessed guy in our country. Saul probably reasoned to Jonathan. He's going to take your kingdom. You're going to be king next. To his staff, he probably told him, if he becomes king, all of you will be replaced by his guys. And immediately Jonathan's friendship was tested. What would he do? We saw what Jonathan did in the good times. When David killed Goliath. Sometimes it's hard, we, we talked about, to rejoice with those who rejoice. Jonathan was going to be the king until David came along. And Jonathan, before the army, gave him his armor, he gave him his his staff, and he said, David is the person. But what does he do during hard times? These are some of the darkest days in David's life. All the staff is meeting to kill David. And then Jonathan steps up, and notice what he says in verse 2, in chapter 19. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. He speaks the truth and love. He gave warning to David at the expense of his life. And I will tell you this. If you love somebody, eventually it's going to cost you. It'll cost you time. It'll, it'll, cost, you, it'll cost you your humility at times. And Jonathan goes before him and he says this. He says, he says, God, my dad is going to kill you. Now let me ask you a question. Do you have a friend that has your back? Do you have a friend that has your back? Regardless of your age, do you have that friend that has your back? Do you have that two o'clock in the morning, friend? You don't need ten, you need one. You don't need two, you need one. Do you have that friend? Do you have that friend that you can tell the worst about you and they don't tell anybody else? That's a friend. I would say that most people don't have that friend, especially in the age of social media, especially in this, this, this desire to gossip. How many could you honestly tell the worst about you and you know that they're not going to tell anybody else? They'll you to the grave. See, I have friends, and I call them this, to the grave, friends. That I trust you as the pastor of East Tales of Baptist Church. You talk about living in a glass house. Can I trust you? Could I trust you? I, God has placed in my life some people I could trust. David had that. He was going to be the king. If anybody, if anybody could turn their back on David, oh, it was Jonathan. Because he was in line to be the king. Do you have that type of friend? Do you have the type of friend that can walk into your life and tell you the truth? Do you have that person? If not, pray for that person. Because it's such a blessing. Jonathan was such a blessing. Nobody else was in David's life but Jonathan, and he spoke the truth to him. A friend loves at all times. And what did he do? He gave him great advice. Listen to me, Alexander County. Be careful who you talk to. Be careful who you get your advice from. I remember Charles Stanley preaching a message several years ago on, on advice, godly advice. And he says, "Here's some characteristics of ungodly advice." And they listen to him. And he said, "This life is really just one continuous series of decisions." But we are not left alone to figure all these out by ourselves. God gives us divine counsel in his word. And if you're blessed, God gives you godly friends who can speak truth into your life. Like Jonathan is David. And he says this about unwise counselors. Unwise counselors make little or no mention of God or his word. Their advice is based on what they think, not what God thinks. For an unwise counselor, there will be an absence of prayer. He says they will suggest reading material that ignores God's word. He goes on to say, There are thousands of counselors in our culture, and many of them rely on resources that have nothing to do with the truths of God's Scripture. Then he said this, Sometimes counselors give advice according to what they want you to hear. It would have been easy for Jonathan to say, David, my dad just don't like you. My dad just don't like you. No, he said, Dad's going to kill you. I'm just here to tell you. He's going to kill you. We talked about it this morning. We did. We did. Think about this. Sometimes Charles Stanley said unwise counselors. He said, no, he said this. Avoid counselors with an ungodly lifestyle. He says this applies to both professionals and friends. If someone is not living rightly, it's doubtful they'll be able to give you godly advice. And imagine how different Saul and Jonathan are right now. Who would you go to for advice? Would you go to Saul or Jonathan? I'd go to Jonathan in a heartbeat. Notice what he tells his dad. Notice this advice he gives his dad. In verse 4 and 5. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good toward you. You know what he's saying? Bad. he has done nothing to you. All he's done is obeyed you won wars. He's made you famous. He hasn't sinned against you. He's done. He says the kingdom of God, this kingdom is blessed because of David. Everything he's done has blessed our kingdom. He's been nothing but good. And here you are trying to kill him. What he's saying is, Dad, you're jealous. Can can you speak that into somebody's life? Bro, the problem with you is you're just jealous. Get over your jealousy. And then he goes on to say this. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then? Then Then he applies God's word right in his face. Why then will you sin? Everybody understood this. Sin against innocent blood. Sin against innocent blood. One scholar put it this way, His approach, Jonathan's approach to his dad, provides a positive example of how a child of God should respond with truth and grace to conspiracies of sin and unbelief. Jonathan's address to his father was simultaneously courteous and bold, offering counsel of prudence together with direct appeals to God's word. He's saying David's innocent. You're sinning against David. He goes on to say this. The warning in in verse 5 about innocent blood is referred to in Deuteronomy 19.10 which God said he will curse the guilt of the bloodshed for those who slay the innocent. And Jonathan has already told him David's innocent. Then in Deuteronomy 27, God goes on to say this, that God will curse against anyone who strikes down his neighbor in secret or conspires to shed innocent blood. And what Jonathan is saying is, Dad, you're sinning against David. You're sinning against God. You're about to commit murder. You're about to commit murder. And he appeals to his dad through God's word. And one scholar says God preserves his gospel and his church today by similar means. Roger Ellsworth comments and he says God primarily preserves his cause through his children testifying to the grace of God to a dark world. We can say of Christianity that Jonathan said of David, it has done you good. Why should you do it harm now? Saul heeded God's word through Jonathan. Notice what verse 6 says. So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan and swore as the Lord lives he shall not be killed. So far, in this chapter, things are worked out by two men talking. Isn't that amazing? Two men just talking. Two men sitting in a room, meeting together, talking. Isn't that amazing how much trouble and strife could be solved in Alexander County if people would quit assuming what somebody else thinks and just sits down and talks to them? If you're a Christian and somebody else is a Christian, why can you not sit down and 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 talk to that person like an adult. This is how Jamie Steele here, as pastor of East Taylor's Church, has handled conflict in his church. If you come to me and say something about somebody else, I'm going to call that person. We're going to meet together. And if we're not going to do that, we're not going to have a meeting. Isn't that kind of adult-like? I mean, isn't that what adults should do? And if you're going to come to me talking about a staff person, you're going to come and meet in my office with the staff person. We've done that before. And you know how, how quickly that was resolved? In three minutes. Three minutes. See, it's really hard for me to talk about Rick if Rick's in the room, right? It's real easy to get on social media and talk about Rick. It's real easy to talk to Jeff about Rick, but it's really hard to talk about Rick while Rick's in the room. Isn't it amazing how Jonathan and Saul sat together and solved this by talking about, talking about men? Now, sadly, Saul's a pagan, and we see the second thing that happens here. We see God's wrath on display. Notice verse 7. The Bible says this. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. Things were back to normal. What a blessing. What a blessing. And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines, and they struck, he struck them with a mighty blow, and they fled from him. So there was war again. David wins, and what happens is David gets more popular. David gets more popular. So he comes back and he starts playing music in verse 9. Now, notice this. Now, the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with the spear in his hand. Saul was still walking around with a sword. You know why he was walking, or spear? You know why he's walking around with a spear? Because the vow he made in verse 7 or, or verse 6 meant nothing. It was an emotional response at the time. And he made a vow and he said, for the time being, basically probably what he said was, for the time being, I'm not going to kill David. He's walking around the house with a spear in his hand. That's how much hate he has for David. And then what happens is God sends this distressing spirit again. And we we, we noticed back in chapter 16 why God sent that distressing spirit. One person put it this way, Saul's part in the story of David displays the corruption and torments of a man in rebellion versus God. Notice Saul's inconsistency. Under the influence of his godly son, Saul had recently taken a vow not to seek David's life, but when David returned from the war and with remarkable humility resumed his ministry of music in Saul's presence, he would surely have noticed a telltale sign of trouble. And you read verse 9 and 10. Saul was under the influence of the mad passion of sin. Gordon Kitty writes, Saul was living a lie. That is why he could so easily make pious vows and contradict them almost in the same breath. And one person said this, I remember, I think it's Charles Stanley, he said, Without a saving change, a sinner is a mess. He hardly knows himself. And even though he knows that God will judge wickedness, he goes on doing it as if he had a death wish and encourages others along the same fatal road. The power of sin so infects the mind that men and women are suicidally irrational in their pursuit of power, wealth, lust, or hatred. He's walking around as king, the most powerful man in the country with a sword. And a guy who just keeps winning battle after battle, blessed by God, the most popular man in the country, he throws a spear at him. And the Bible says God sent a distressing spirit, tormenting spirit from the Lord. And we understood from chapter 16 that this spirit was sent as a consequence of his sin. This is not just reaping what you sow, but judgment from God. There are two different things. The spirit of harm was sent by God as judgment on Saul for his sin. Robert Bergen explains this this way. Saul's tortured state was not an accident of nature, nor was it essentially a medical condition. It was a supernatural assault by being sent at the Lord's command. It was brought on by Saul's disobedience. This is God's chastisement and judgment on Saul. Hebrews says this, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Saul was a reprobate whose heart was constantly hardened against God, and Saul's sin caused this judgment from the Lord. Paul speaks about this in Romans chapter 1. He says this, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural lust for what is against nature. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting That word gave them up is a judicial term. It's like handing a prisoner over. The word debased mind means it's a depraved mind. It does not function right and can't make the right decisions. You can see this over and over again in Scripture. God says, well, you're not going to repent. What I'm going to do is give you up to your vile passions. Have at it. Go. Go. You know, Jesus said if you go into certain towns, I think it was in Luke 17, I could be wrong, and you preach the gospel and they tell you to get out, just kick the dust off your feet. Just go. There are some times in, in people's lives because God knows the end, that he says, I'm done with you. Go. When he talked about Ephraim, he says, Ephraim has gone back to idols. Listen to this, Hosea said, Leave them alone. God's presence, literally, his good presence was gone. Leave them alone. I'll work my plan through his wickedness. God gave them over. I believe there's parts of this country God has just gave them over. Gave them over. You don't want God, well, you don't get God. It's your choice. Notice, notice what he said, what happened to Samson. The Bible says this. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know, this is Samson, that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put his eyes out. What a sad case. That's Saul. God says, Go, Saul. This distressing spirit says, you want to be that person? Then be that person. I give you time and time and time again to repent. And Saul repeatedly never changes. He's like Judas. The Bible says that after they had arrested Jesus, then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. You know what this means? This didn't mean Judas repent. repented. That's not the word that's used there. It's not a really good translation. It means that Judas felt remorse. As he began to experience the intense, excruciating pain that is unique to profound guilt. He was just felt bad. That's what happens in a lot of churches in Alexander County and around the America. Is People don't really repent. We just feel bad we got caught. We feel bad that happened. And you'll pray and say, Lord, please forgive me. But it doesn't change. It's just like Saul. Nothing, Saul never repents. He just gets emotional, filled with guilt, and experiences some spiritual emotion at times. Now notice what happens in verse 13 and 16. Notice his relationship to his daughter. Or verse 11. So Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled his, escaped, and Michael took in the image. That's a teraphim. You know what they use those for? This is a life-size image. To worship false gods. So you have what's going to be the king of Israel, the greatest king to ever live, and Saul gave his uh, pagan daughter to David to marry. Because he was hoping that his daughter would turn David's heart against God. What a, what a wicked, brave mind Saul had to use his daughter in such a way. But his daughter took this image that she would worship false gods with, because it's the size of a person, put it in the bed, took goat's hair, and says, David's in there sleeping. Then the men came, are sick. And then when the men came back, they said, he's, he, he's not here. Saul came in and said, what what did you do? And she says, well, he said he was going to kill me. So I had to let him go, which he didn't. Notice, notice the relationship when you have a pagan father, and he treats his daughter like a pagan and uses her in such a way. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? Men, listen. Listen. When you serve God and you give your life to God, it just blesses your family it just will Saul is living in such an immoral lifestyle and he's so depraved that it's gone all the way down to his daughter so sad notice the third thing and that's God's will and I would tell you this because we've already seen David escape three times you are immortal until God is done with you if you're walking in God's will David would be king it doesn't matter how many giants from Gath come how many lions and bears come, or how many spears from Saul come, God's will cannot be thwarted. Notice verse 18. The Bible says this. So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel, the last living prophet. 350 years of prophets. And Samuel's the last one. And David said, I will run to Samuel. He was a true spiritual leader of Israel, the last of the prophets. And notice what happens when Saul finds out. He sends his men. And notice what happens. In verse twenty, then Saul sent messengers to take David, and when they saw the group of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as their leader over them, the spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. Then when he sent more, the guess what happened? They got into the spirit. And they also prophesied. Then when Samuel came, what happened? God's spirit came over him, and he started prophesying. Started prophesying. It's like a worship service. Matthew Henry said this: "This shows how God can strike awe and reverence in the worst of men." When in an assembly with his spirit presence. Hey, I, I've been in prisons a bunch, right? Prisons all over. Some of, the, some of the most vile things I've ever heard was right before I preached in a prison. I, you know, I've been to solitary confinement out here, heard it all. But it's something about when you start preaching, how grown men who've committed all types of crimes will turn into little boys. And you just preach to them. And you see God's Spirit come upon people. And you just preach and you sing and you preach and how the whole room will change. That's what happens when Saul's men are murderers. David said they they walk around like howling dogs in Psalm 59. These These are immoral men. okay. But when they came up to these prophets preaching, God's Spirit just took over like that. That's why it's so important. Now listen, we have an online service, and that's good. But it's more important to be here. It's more important to be assembled with people. Where you're going to hear a a praise team sing God's Word, and you're going to hear somebody preach God's Word. You can't duplicate this anywhere else. You can't duplicate it online. You can watch David, Jeremiah, Charles Stanley, and all these people, and you should. But it's not like being in church. There's nothing like it. That's how God set it up. And these men come up to these prophets and they're just prophesying, and God's spirit overtakes them. You see, you see, you know, your crazy uncle that won't listen to you share the gospel? Bring him to church and see what happens. Bring him. Bring him and let him be in the assembly of God and just see what God does. Who knows what God's gonna do? I mean, I got under conviction the day after prom at Millsville Baptist Church. i hardly ever been to church in my life. And the preacher started preaching, and I was a mess. I was a mess. Now I was a hellion pagan. And I sat there in a tuxedo going, what in the world? I am a sinner and I'm lost. That wouldn't happen at home. I watched Billy Graham before. It didn't happen watching Billy Graham. It was in a church service. How important is that to get your friends to church? How important? Every person that I was friends with, I invited to church after the Lord sent me. Not just me in their living room sharing the gospel, but get in church. Because there's something about being there. There's something that God can do that you can't and I can't. It's something about being together. See, to you, you've been going to church since you were 12 or 4. It's, it's not as big a deal. A lost person comes in and who knows what God will do. That's the power of an invitation. Ninety-some percent of lost people said they would go to church if invited. We're doing a terrible job, aren't we? Will you like to come to church? That's so easy. Saul sent his men. Notice what happens to Saul. Notice what happens in verse 24. Saul came and he was so under the power of God that he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner, laid down naked all day and night. Therefore, the saying went like this Is Saul also among the prophets? And what this is, is God just humiliated Saul. I like how one one pastor put it. He said this evidently, under control of God's spirit. Saul was entranced in such a way that he completely disarmed himself and disrobed from all the emblems of his royal office. Saul was thus humiliated by God as he threatened the life of God's anointed servant and God overcame his enemy in such a way as to bring praise to his name. The proverbial saying that resulted is Saul also among the prophets was not an expression of praise but bewilderment at the erratic conduct of the godless rule. You know why? Because God knew this worship service meant nothing to him. It did his messengers, but nothing to him. And why did God send his spirit that way? The only reason he did it that way is to save David's life on this day. And I'll tell you this. If you set yourself against Jesus and his gospel, you will lose and be judged. So what are the two main points here? Number one is this, repent. Look at that word. You know what repent means? Look, God put put Saul in places in this chapter to truly repent, and he did not. I think God has placed you here today to truly repent. That means you confess your sin and you repent of it. You know what that means? That means you stop. That means you just stop. See, when I, when I counsel, I'm the worst counselor here in Alexander County. Because I'll have people come to me. I, I've been counseling since 1995. Jamie, some of them will come me, or they'll say, Pastor, I'm doing this. You know what I'll tell them? Stop! Is that hard? Look, stop! That's repentance. Let me tell you, young guys, if you're living in an immoral relationship and you come to me for, for, for counsel and you say, Pastor, I, I know I'm doing wrong, but I love this girl. You know what I'm going to tell you? Now, I don't have a Ph.D. in theology, but I'll take my ring off and so say, that's called a wedding ring. That's what that's called. You're dishonoring this girl is what you're doing. You tell her you love her, but you won't marry her. Do you love her, or are you just trying to get what you can out of this relationship, then move on to the next one? Ladies, don't be fooled. This is called a wedding ring. That's how God set it up. I don't know how many men have come to me since I've been in ministry talking about an adulterous relationship. You know what I say? Stop. But you don't understand. And I'll say, listen, don't come to me and talk for an hour and try to get me to justify your sin. Repent. Change jobs. Get her phone number out of your phone. Cancel social media. Love your wife like a man does. Amen? Now, if that counsel is too harsh for you, don't come to me because I've spent hours with grown men, educated, financially secure, who act like ninth graders in this county the number one people have left this church over the last ten years, and I've said this a hundred times, is adultery because men and women will not repent repent says stop, if you're, if you're, if you're a businessman here today and you're cheating in your business, stop, that's repentance see, you're just like Saul if you don't, Saul got emotional, made vows had a worship service and never repented, never repented he didn't repent repent If the Spirit of God is here today pointing something out to you today, then repent. Every blessing from God in your life comes from repentance. Every blessing. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repentance is a blessing. You confess your sin, that's easy. I was wrong. Repentance says, I'm stopping today with God's help. And the Bible says, says, Paul says, that you have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in your life, to not do it. Paul told us, the things I don't do, sometimes I do them. He didn't say I did it every day. I didn't do it over and over again. Over and over again. Repent. And then the final thing is this. Is God your refuge? David had nowhere to go but to God. There'll be times in your life when you have nowhere to go but Him. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help In a time of need. One person put it this way think about this for a moment. We are safe within the walls of God's mighty protective spirit, freed not only to rejoice in his goodness, but also to live in peace and blessing toward those who hate us. If God is our refuge. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come, they will. I want to ask you this question: Is God your refuge? Is God truly your refuge? Think about this for a moment. Safety, blessing, joy, happiness, peace. His will are yours when I trust and obey the Lord. Why would you rebel against the Lord? Why would you rebel against the Lord and against His will? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and you're born again... The word on the screen is repent that's between you and the lord repentance is not getting emotional repentance is not making a vow repentance is saying as a as a man or woman of god i confess it's a sin and today i stop today i stop and i'll make the changes necessary to stop then there are Christians here, and, and, and you're, you're living in God's will, and you're living in a situation like David, just keep walking and running toward Jesus. He's our refuge. He's our refuge. Every blessing from God comes when we trust and obey Him. Do you trust Him today? Do you trust Him? Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the blessings that come with obedience. And Father, we pray, we pray for your grace and for your mercy in the good times and in the bad. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with us as Sharon leads us in in a few verses of Trust and Obey. And after the last verse, you're dismissed. Thank you, God, and God bless.
2: thank you for taking time to join us online today. Our hope and prayer is that Jesus is glorified and that you are challenged and encouraged through worship and God's Word. Today, if you made a decision to place your faith and trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you still want to know more about what it really means to follow Jesus, please feel free to contact us through the week. We would love to be able to share with you more about the hope that is only found in Christ. If you're not already a regular part of another church family, we invite you to join us here on campus each week for Sunday school and worship on Sunday morning. Finally, if you would like more information about our church or maybe you feel led to support the ongoing ministry and mission efforts of East Taylorsville, please feel free to visit our website at easttaylorsville.com. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you have a great week.